You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good. How many of you would have been shocked had you seen me, the one in that video there, doing that work? Yeah, you would not expect to see me there, but you found me here instead today, so I'm glad to be able to share with you today. Part three of this series that we're, in, that we're all focusing on this year, a part of a bigger theme. So if you're a guest this morning, my name is David, or if you're newer to the church and we've not had a me- uh, chance to meet, love the opportunity to get to do that. Uh, after the service is over, I'll be out front. And I am so excited to share with you what I've felt like God has laid on my heart today. So if you have your Riverside app, I want to invite you to go there to open that up and follow along. You'll find under the first tab there the whole idea of the message notes today. Today I want to speak with you on the subject of a GPS for sharp families. Now, let me give you the context for this entire series. This series is part of a larger theme that you know if you've been around here for a while that we've been in for the last year where we're, in, where we're challenging ourselves to step forward. The Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people in the city of Galatia. He said, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so throughout this last year, We've been unpacking what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit, and we know from what the Scriptures teach us, and certainly from our experience in life as followers of Jesus, that we never get to stay stagnant with God. We're either uh, we're either moving forward or we're going backwards. So we're trying to help you in all of these various series that we're doing to be able to keep in step with the Spirit. And so, if you're a guest today, or maybe you've been invited by somebody who's inviting and, and encouraging you to investigate Jesus, to explore the claims of Christ, I'm so glad that you're here today because what we're going to talk about, whether or not you're yet a follower of Jesus or not, actually you can apply this. But it's tough no matter if you're a follower of Jesus, but I want to encourage you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live out what we're going to talk about today. So in this specific series, we're talking about my side of iron and we're asking the question, in each one of the messages in this particular series, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And so if you were with us at the beginning, we talked about being real friends. And we talked about this, this, the theme verse for this series is, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So we talked about friendships that sharpen when we get dull. We used the illustration last week when we talked about sharpening our marriages and our romantic relationships. We talked about the idea that iron sharpening iron, when we use a knife, you remember if you heard the noise when I used that last week and you cringed at that sharpening of the knife, a knife, when you use it over and over and over again, what happens to it? It gets dull. And so you have to sharpen it from time to time. We don't sharpen it with a stone because a stone leaves less of us behind. With iron, iron actually bends the pieces that are microscopically bent over and it straightens them up again. And so in this particular series, through friendships, through marriage, and today, through families, we want to try to move from being a dull family to a sharp family. So I'm glad that you're here this morning because we're going to unpack some things today that have an enormous implication for us as parents, as kids, as students, as young adults, whether we find ourselves married or not, whether we find ourselves living in the home that we grew up in, we're all a part of some sort of a family unit. And some of us are here today and we would prefer to be in another family, but we find ourselves in the family that we're in. And so how can we keep from becoming dull in our family relationships. 
You know, the scriptures are very, very clear. In fact, I wrote down some things here. I want to just kind of walk you through them. One of the reasons why I believe in the scriptures and being the authoritative word of God is because it doesn't sugarcoat anything. Just listen to the families. Think about your family and listen to just some of these things. Adam and Eve, the very first family, their son Cain murdered his brother Abel. That's rough getting out of the gate, right? Okay, Sarah, Sarai, and Abraham, Abram were married, and uh, they couldn't have kids, so Sarai gave Hagar, their servant girl, to her husband. Seriously, who does that? I wouldn't recommend that, ladies. I wouldn't recommend that approach, okay? Uh, Isaac had Jacob and Esau, and their whole relationship was all about lies and deception. Lot's daughters slept with their dad. I mean, that's just gross, right? You can't hardly believe. You're like, seriously, that's in the Bible? Yeah, you gotta read your Bible. It's in there. Jacob favored his wife, Rachel, over his other wife, Leah. They had a whole bunch of sons. Joseph was favored over his brothers, and his brothers got so jealous, they sold him into slavery. How many siblings would like to sell your brother or sister into it? Yeah, let's not go there. Uh, David's family, King David, if you're familiar with King David, his family was racked with adultery, rape, betrayal, insurrection, and death. I mean, talk about a rough family line. That's where Jesus came from. And I even thought about this. Even Joseph and Mary, they lost Jesus at one point along the way. Talk about the weird family. How many of you have lost your kids in the mall or in Walmart? Come on, it's confession time. CYS is out front, so uh, you just go out there and confess. I did it. I lost Josh. I found him pretty quick, but that heart, you know, you just, yeah, they lost him. I didn't lose him for three days. At least Mary, you know, Mary and Joseph lost him. And then his brothers and sisters, they didn't believe that he was God. And again, what would it take for you to believe that your sibling was God? Yeah, see, no perfect families in the scripture. And I love how honest and authentic the Bible is. And as a family who is in step with the spirit, does our family, does my life and my part in our family, sharpen those in my inner circle. That's what we want to try to wrestle with today. And how can we be intentional and have a relentless pursuit of God-honoring, loving, healthy families? So whether you're a single parent, whether you're in a blended family, if you're coming from a broken family, all kinds of families, what God has to say for us today can be applied And I want to begin with a text that may be a little bit surprising to you as we get going here, but we'll eventually uh, get into Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have a paper Bible and you want one, or you didn't bring one, but you want one, there's some under the chairs. We'll eventually get into Deuteronomy. It's an Old Testament book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. We'll be there in just a little bit. But before that, Romans chapter 12, here's what the Apostle Paul, writing to a first century group of believers, has to say to them. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let's just pause there for a moment and say, what is the pattern of this world in terms of how families relate? Think about that. How do dad and moms relate? How do children and their parents relate? Sibling to sibling. Are they marked by love and acceptance and value, respect, truth, trust, forgiveness and serving one another, clear communication, fun and generosity. Does that sound like the pattern of this world as it relates to our families and how we interact with one another? Or does the pattern look more like we look to others 
too much to meet our needs. Or we conform to the expectations of others in our families too much. There's chaos and confusion and anger and bitterness and rage and fighting and lying and disrespect and disunity and selfishness. And we put up masks and there's distance. And ultimately, in a word, when we think about our family, there's regret. And we all have some sort of, some kind of regret about some sort of way that we've related over the years with regard to our families. And what if God left us some clear instructions about how to handle our side of iron, about how to relate to one another in a family that would actually sharpen and actually help each other. And I want to submit to you this morning that he did. And it begins in Deuteronomy chapter six. So I'm going to ask you if you would to stand with me in honor of God's word. And if you are from a Jewish background, we're going to begin with a, the most precious text to those who have grown up in a Jewish context we're going to start with the Hebrew Shema. And here's what it says, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Listen, or hear. Listen, Israel. Pay attention. Listen to what we're about to say here. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jewish people today will still repeat that throughout the day over and over and over again. It's the declaration of monotheism that Judaism and Christianity share together. There is one God. Love the Lord your God. Now you see, love over everything that we talk about today, love is what sharpens our families. It's what sharpens every relationship. It's what allows us to remain sharp versus becoming dull, but love is messy. God invites us here, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Then it goes on and says, these words that I am giving you today, the words that came just right before this, all the instruction of the law and what God was speaking to the nation at that time, these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. See, it starts in our hearts. We can't pass it on to the next generation unless it's in there. I can't teach my kids how to play violin because I ain't got it, nothing. I have to ask Alaska for some help in that arena. So I can't give what I don't have already. So it starts with us. We've got to be inside of us to begin with. Repeat them. And then here's the strategy that God gives us to help pass on a godly legacy and to be sharp families. Repeat those things to your children. You've got to say it over and over and over and over again. And when you don't think that they can take it, you've got to keep doing it again and again and again. And then as they get older, they will speak it back to you and you'll get irritated and annoyed that they're using your own stuff on you. Been there, done that. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them. And he's gonna give you four ways to do this. Discuss it, talk about it, unpack it, wrestle with what God's teachings are. When you sit down in your house, when you walk along the road, again, we don't walk along the road except to burn calories these days. We drive on the road. So when you have car time, you be intentional about talking about the things of God with your car time. When you lie down, that's at nighttime, and when you get up early in the day, so whether it's at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, whether you're seated in your home or you're on the road in the car, God's word counsels us. If we're going to be sharp families, we've got to begin with intentionally pursuing love, loving God, and then we'll find that we love each other. Interestingly enough, 
Jesus quoted from this Old Testament Torah book of Deuteronomy more than any of the other Torah books. And he refers to this over and over again. And it begins to unpack for us in the Old Testament what the Apostle Paul writes for us in the New Testament. We're going to look at that, but you're tired of standing. So have a seat and I'll sit down and we'll work through Ephesians chapter 6 just a few verses there, beginning in verse one. This was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Ephesus. Here's what he has to say. Children, be obedient to your parents in the Lord. In other words, it's extremely difficult outside of God's help to be obedient to your parents. It's hard enough when you are in the Lord to be obedient, but there's almost no chance you're going to get that right over the course of a long haul without the help of God. That is what uprightness demands. The first commandment, which is actually a reference back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. You can make note of that and look it up later. That's where the 10 commandments were given to Moses. The first commandment that has a promise attached to it is, notice this, honor your father and your mother. And the promise is so that you may have a long life and prosper in the land. And parents, never drive your children to resentment, but bring them up with the correction and advice, not just from yourself, because you're broken, you're fallen, you're just as messed up. You do it inspired by the Lord. So I want to walk through some principles that we're going to see here that will help us If you find your family in a dull season right now, today is not a day of condemnation. Today is a day of hope. Today is a day of renewal. Today is a day of vision. Today is a day of direction. Today is a day of healing. Today is a day where you can begin to have some breakthroughs. And as I said, this stuff is difficult. But if you will take the principles that are simple and begin to actually apply them to your life and to the relationships that you have in your family, you can move from a dull family to a sharp family, one that is healthy in Christ. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you? Jesus, I know what you've done in my own heart as a result of what we're going to talk about here today. I know the breakthroughs that have happened in my own relationships with my own family. And God, I pray that you would give those same gifts to everyone that's seated here. God, would you help us to be honest in our assessment of ourselves, to be transparent in our assessment of ourselves, to invite you to help us where we find ourselves dull. Father, some of us come from family backgrounds where we don't have these tools at our disposal because we've never seen them modeled. We didn't get them or we missed them along the way. And we need a fresh revelation of relational strength, relational healing, relational connection as you give it to us in your word. And I pray, God, that you would help us to apply, not just hear what you have to say to us today, but that you would apply to to us your word. It's in your name, Jesus, and for your sake, we pray this. Amen. A GPS for sharp families. Here we go. Families that become sharp, stay sharp, grow sharp. Families that sharpen one another, give honor. This speaks to the future. In fact, notice what Paul wrote. Honor your father and your mother. The promise that comes with that is that you may have a long life. That's talking about the future and that you may prosper, that there may be a prosperity about your life, that there may be a blessing of God upon your life. 
there's going to be that promise that comes with it. So families that sharpen one another give honor. Dishonor and disrespect dull. Honor sharpens. It's the willingness. You say, what is honor? Honor is the willingness to reward someone for their difference. They have been made differently than you. They have been wired differently than you. They think differently. They eat differently. They go to bed at a different hour. They get up at a different hour. They have a different perspective, and you reward them for that by showing them honor. It's a deferring to others. Respect is earned. You've heard me teach this before. Respect is earned, but honor is given. You have the honor of honoring the people in your home every day of your lives. Honor can be demonstrated even when respect is not warranted. It's challenging. It's difficult. We choose instead, we choose harsh words. We we choose cold shoulders and hurt people when we're hurting. Instead of giving honor, we tend to hurt others when we're hurting ourselves. And it's hard because we don't start with the right proper perspective regarding God. As a society, our Society doesn't honor God. Not a newsflash to anybody, is it? We don't do that. In fact, this is how it was a problem all the way back in the prophet Isaiah's day. Look at chapter 29 and verse 13. Here's what he has to say. These people come near to me with their mouth. It's almost, you know how, uh, you know, if you're, whichever parent is home, I'll come home and Amy will say, those children of yours, <laughs> all of a sudden they're, they're no longer hers, they're mine and my problem. It's almost as if God's having that kind of a day. These people, I don't even know who these people, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, they're just going through the motions. They don't really mean it. And that's what society doesn't even go through the motions any longer. We don't honor marriage. Hebrew chapter 13 and verse four says that we're to honor marriage. We're to keep the sanctity and the sacredness of marriage and the sexual intimacy between a wife and a husband. And we've devalued the whole institution of marriage as God has put it. So we're to honor marriage. We're to put that back up on the high shelf that God intended for it so that we can have a blessing and the experience of honoring one another so that our lives may be long and there might be prosperity. In the same way in 1 Peter, husbands, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Gentlemen, I know that in my own life, in seasons when I haven't been as honoring as I should have been, I felt the ceiling between me and my heavenly father. He hadn't gone anywhere, but I wasn't doing what I should do. And so the invitation to all of us is, is to pursue and give honor. We are to give honor, even though it is difficult, even though it is hard. We honor the office of husband. We honor the office of wife. We honor the office of mother. We honor the office of father. We honor the office of son. We honor the office of daughter. Even when we aren't acting it, you you heard me talk about this last fall. What happens when someone walks by any president? They salute. They salute. They don't salute the president, the man himself. They salute the office of the president. There's an honor there. And even though it might be hard, you can get to be able to do that even when there's not respect. It's challenging. You gotta submit that every day to God. Help me, Father, to give honor. Secondarily, families that sharpen one another 
pursue selflessness. They pursue selflessness. This talks about the present right now, what we're in right now. Selfishness, here's what I wrote in my notes. Selfishness and self-centeredness and self-absorption, dull. Selflessness sharpens. A selfless environment, when you create that kind of an environment in your home, it will foster stability and security and wisdom and humility. Selflessness opens the pathway to wisdom. We say, you know what? I haven't arrived. I'm teachable. I can learn and I seek counsel. I seek the guidance of others and I actually listen to what they say and then I apply that. This is where we have the opportunity and we should not miss the opportunity for those of us who are parents to invite and to celebrate and to embrace discipline and correction in our home because otherwise... How many of you have been around a family where the child is the center of everyone's world and that child needs a good whooping? Anybody ever seen that besides me? There needs to be a learning of that selflessness. And students, you deserve to see it coming from your parents and will be selfish by nature and will make mistakes. But that group of kids over across the hall and down in the nursery... They need to learn that because they come hardwired selfish. And we've got to pursue a selflessness toward one another. Jesus modeled that for us. You'll see in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul writes there, Jesus died for everyone so that, why did he die? So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. If you're investigating Jesus and you're kind of wondering about this whole thing, you've been scared to come to a church in a mall, you're not sure about who we are and what we're all about, we follow Jesus first and foremost. That's why we're here. And he teaches us not to live for ourselves. And man, do we ever struggle with that. Man, is that ever difficult for us. Instead, he says, they live, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Because of his death and his resurrection, because he beat our selfishness at the cross, we can walk in selflessness. We have to get up on our cross every single day. It's not just a piece of jewelry that we wear. It's not just a tattoo that we might have. It is a way of life. He says in Romans chapter 15, we must not just please ourselves. Again, by default, we're really good at pleasing ourselves. So he says, not not just pleasing ourselves, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. You see, when a family does this, when they're all living together, looking to help one another, they build each other up in the Lord, and that moves people from dullness to sharpness in the family of God. For even Christ didn't live, live to please himself. If there could have been ever anyone on this planet that could have lived just for himself, it could have been Jesus but he intentionally chose not to. And he intentionally chose to model for us selflessness. In Philippians chapter two, Paul counsels that group of followers of Jesus, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You can translate that, do nothing out of of a competitive spirit or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That means do no thing out of 
an ambition to push yourself forward or a competitive spirit. Instead, he says, in humility, value others above yourselves. In other words, you defer to other people. In fact, that's the relationship that you see between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that trinity, a concept that we in our humanity can't get a hold of, Father deferring to Son, Spirit deferring to Father, Son deferring to Spirit. They just are always, you go first, you go first. I don't know how they ever walk through a door, the three of them. They have to have wide enough to walk through all at the same time because they're always deferring to one another, perfect in relationship. They're inviting us to that as well. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And when our family relationships, in fact, when any of our relationships are marked by selflessness, there is an unmatched love, an unmatched generosity, and a capacity to celebrate the uniqueness of each personality in the family. Yes, even the ones that drive you crazy. We actually can actually, because of this, we can actually celebrate the differences rather than just tolerating them or getting irritated at them. Everybody in our family has a special wiring and God's invited us to selflessly allow that so that we can have the kind of healthy, sharp families that he longs for us to have. So you're gonna do what first? You're gonna give honor, then you're gonna pursue selflessness. And then number three, families that sharpen one another seek reconciliation. This speaks to our past. Reconciliation is a big theological fancy term for being at peace. Be, means being made right. God has made us right with him. He has reconciled us to himself. In fact, this is what the Apostle Paul has to say in 2 Corinthians 5. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. And if you don't yet belong to Christ, today can be your day to be made new. That's why we're here. We want to grow as his followers, as his disciples, but we also want to help you to become that new person. You don't have to carry around the baggage and the brokenness and the hurt and the pain any longer. Jesus gave his life for you and for me so that we could be made whole, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have relationship with God now and in eternity. And he's not here to beat you up. He's not here. In fact, he's here to offer and extend to you his love, his grace, and his mercy. He dealt with your sin at the cross. Don't be deceived. Our sin is ugly. Our brokenness and fallenness is horrific in God's sight. But he did not wink at that. Instead, he said, no, son, we're going to take care of this ourselves. And he took all of our brokenness so that we could be made whole and reconciled to our heavenly father. Paul unpacks this for us beautifully. He says, the past is forgotten. Who's glad for that? The past is forgotten and everything is new. Our way of relating to God you don't have to come through a priest or a pastor. You have direct access to your heavenly father. 
everything is new, new in the way that you relate to God, new in the, in the way that you relate to your husband, to your wife, new in the rela- way you relate to your parents, to your children, new in the re- way that you relate to people in the church family, at your job, in your neighborhood, everything becomes new. God has done it all. He's always the initiator. You don't pull yourself up by your bootstraps to get this done. In fact, if your way of relating to God is trying to be a good person or trying to be good enough, you will never reach that. It's exhausting. In fact, the scriptures say relating to God that way is the impossible road to heaven. It cannot be done. That's why Jesus stepped into religion and he said, out with religion, let's have a relationship. Made available because of all that he did for us. God did it all. He sent Christ to make peace or he reconciled us between himself and us. And he has given us the work of making peace between himself and others. It's not just my job your job. It's our job. We're all in this together. I don't care if you're a junior higher here in this room, on your campus, in your classrooms, you've been called by God to make, help make peace between him and others. On your teams, in your places where you work, and in your home, that's the calling that God's given us. It's an honor to be a part of that. And he has given us this work of making peace. What we mean is that God was in Christ offering peace and forgiveness to the people of this world. And he has given us the work of sharing his message about peace. In other words, he's given us the responsibility to extend the message of reconciliation. And it, we think about it often in terms of, yes, out in the world, I need to walk up to strangers. I need to go to door, door to door. It starts in your family reconciliation begins by you and I making peace with one another when we've hurt each other. Not if, we're going to hurt one another because we're broken. But our responsibility is to make peace. I wrote in my notes, conflict, quarreling, arguing, fighting, bickering, war, they all dull. Reconciliation sharpens. So that's why Paul said in Romans 12, if it is possible... So far as it depends on everyone else around you, live at peace with everyone. Is that what that says? Nope. As far as it depends on you, you can't be responsible for anyone else in your family. You take responsibility for you. And so as far as it depends on you, with God's help, with the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, you live at peace. You extend peace. How do you do that? Well, You make allowances for one another's faults. You seek to restore broken relationships. You apologize. You take responsibility. You ask for forgiveness. You dive into the mess. You acknowledge the hurt and the pain. This isn't about sweeping stuff under the rugs. Reconciliation. God did not sweep our sin under a rug. He looked it right in the eye and all of the ugliness and all of the hurt and all of the pain and all of the brokenness. And he said, I'm going to handle it all myself. And he took it right up out from under the rug and put it on his son willingly so that we didn't have to sweep it under the rug anymore so that we could be at peace 
with him and with others. We acknowledge the disappointment. We acknowledge the frustration. We talk about the gaps. Because you see, when a, a sharp family, when there's a gap between here's the behavior, here's what occurred, but here's the expectations of what I thought was going to happen, what I thought should have happened, we all have this gap between here's what we were hoping for, that's what actually happened. What do you do with the gap? What do you naturally fill in with regard to your family, with regard to your dad, with regard to your mom, with regard to your kids? Do you naturally believe the best in the gap or do you naturally assume the worst? And sharp families, they believe the best about one another because they've worked hard to reconcile. They've worked hard to give honor. They've worked hard to pursue selflessness and they give each other the benefit of the doubt in the gap. But when we don't have those things, what we do is we fill in the gap by assuming the worst. We will get into so much trouble between the ears when we assume the worst. Anybody else struggle with that? You fill in the gap? Yep, all right, I'm not alone, thank you. Sometimes this means setting healthy boundaries. You can't keep going back and getting hurt, wounded over and over and over again. Fantastic series of books entitled Boundaries and Boundaries with Kids and Boundaries with Parents and Boundaries with uh, Your Employers and Boundaries for Leaders and Boundaries with Your Dogs and Your Cats. I don't know, it's a bunch of boundaries books. If you need help setting boundaries with your cat, let me know. I'll be happy to help you with that. So you ask the question, With regard to your family, what's it like? You sit down with the people closest to you and you say, hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? I gave you that assignment last week with your spouse if you're married or somebody that you're dating or engaged to. Did you do it? Did you have the courage? Got another one. Are you gonna do it with your family? Parents, you're gonna look your kids in the eyes and say, hey, you tell me what it's like to be on the other side of me? And then you shut up and you listen. And you do that for each other. And then you do it with honor. When you answer, you don't say, woohoo, been waiting for this. Can't wait to lay into you. You give honor. You speak with a selflessness about it. And then you seek reconciliation together. We started with that verse in Romans 12. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. On the flip side, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's where you find health. That's where you find wholeness. When you're transformed, when your family's transformed, maybe you've been waiting for years for a family member to be transformed and that hasn't happened yet. Maybe you're sitting next to someone that you're hoping could be transformed. God's love can do that. In the meantime, you do what you can on your end to give honor, to pursue selflessness, and to seek reconciliation as far as it depends on you. Your past, if you're sitting here today and you're saying it's too late for us, your past does not have to get in the way. In fact, it's not getting in the way of Jesus extending to you and to me today an invitation. 
Your past does not have to define you. The way that your family has related up until now, the guilt and the shame and the disappointment and the frustration that you may have had for all these years, it does not have to define you from today and moving forward. Today can be the beginning of a brand new life, a brand new way of relating if you allow God in to begin that process, if you'll take responsibility for what you can do. And I realize there's two sides to everything, but we're talking about our side, my side of iron. And your past does not have to define you and and doesn't have to get in the way of you accepting the invitation of Jesus. You say, David, I can't. I can't give honor. David, there is no way I can pursue the kind of selflessness that you're describing. David, I can't seek reconciliation For some of us, we can't seek reconciliation because family members are no longer around. And that may require some counseling. That may require some writing of letters. And and you can't ever give it to that person, but you can take it to a gravesite and read it. You can take it to your heavenly father and you can read it. You can dump all that out because he's invited you to because he's encouraging us to cast all our cares, all of our anxieties on him. You say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know? We were having this, I mean, you, you just have no idea how much work I had to do to be able to get up here to talk today with my own family and had to have some really healthy, difficult, challenging conversations. And I remember after I'd talked to Jenna specifically, uh, she and I were talking about, you know, 16-year-old girl and her dad, you got to work through some stuff, right? Thank you. Please tell me I'm not alone. Got to work on that. And I remember later, just a, an hour or so later, she texted me. She said, Dad, I don't even know where I found this. I don't know, I, I've had this photo for a long time. And I don't know where I got it. And I looked at it and I just, she was talking about, I, I, she was saying, I just don't know if I can do what you're asking me to do. Like, it's really hard to do that. And I said, I know it's really hard, but we've got to do this. And so she sent me this picture that I had to show you today. When you say that you can't, and she doesn't know where it came from, Maybe one of you drew it, and I don't even know who it is, but you can't apart from Jesus and his resurrection. This stuff just can't be done without help, without the Holy Spirit helping us. So if you're going to try to do this in your own best efforts and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps to get it done, you were never designed to do that. You were designed to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did for you and what he did for me. In Colossians chapter three, there's a description of a sharp family that's been transformed by the Holy Spirit and is living God's will. Here's how Paul describes a sharp family. Wives, understand and support your husbands. There's understanding in a sharp family. There's support of one another in a sharp family. By submitting to them, their submission mutually, husband and wives, parents and children, there's a mutual submission in ways that honor Jesus. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. It's a love that's marked not by getting, but giving. Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights Jesus to no end. He lived submitted to his parents. He lived fully submitted to his heavenly father. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. 
That's the description of a sharp family. The whole is held out to us that we have the opportunity to live and embrace in our time now. We can't change the past, but we can be reconciled. We can give honor today that will impact the future. And we can seek selflessness right now, today, in this moment that will help us to live well in the present. Would you bow your hearts and let's pray together. Worship team's gonna come and we're gonna respond. We've got a couple of songs. Heavenly Father, you hear something like this and we can't help but acknowledge that we have some regrets today. Lord, we struggle to break out of the pattern of this world and our own self-destructive tendencies. We conform too easily to unhealthy, dull ways of living, dull ways of relating to our family. Lord, you know we take one another for granted. We presume, we fill in the gaps with the negative, and we're here today to ask for forgiveness, to ask for cleansing, to be made new as you describe it in your word, to be made whole, to be offered hope. We need your peace. We need your redemptive work, perhaps today more than ever. Lord, would you show us how to honor others, especially those that we have the hardest time respecting. Teach us, God, to be selfless, You know how difficult that is for us. Relentlessly, Father, relentlessly remind us that you live in us by your Holy Spirit and we can, by your power, do all things as you give us the strength to live for the enrichment of others more than for ourselves. Lord, would you please grant us the humility to seek peace in our relationships God, we know there's going to be conflict, so would you help us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry? Father, we need your spirit to guide us as to how we apply your word to us today. Because you have first loved us, God, we can go all out in our love for one another. So Lord, would you help us? Holy Spirit, help us to live that way. Sharpen us. We want to grow. We want to improve in how we reflect you to our family. It's in Jesus' name that we pray for his sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.